0: Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring, boring. you get
2: bored by Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you, you, you. You still have pro-man run around tight pants.
1: It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Salt This is Brock
0: Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Is baseball. Baseball isn't boring.
2: Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob. All right. There's nobody I'd rather have on the podcast right now than Mickey Janice. Mick, how are you? Good. I'm doing. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh man. I I, I say this because number one, I love your story. Number two, uh, uh, I love your attitude about baseball, and 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 also just the fact is that I want to do everything I can to put you in the best position to succeed. Because I believe, I I believe that great things are ahead for you because of who you are, the pitch that you throw and the talent that you have. I know I'm building you up, but still, I believe every word that I said. So I hope you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Well, listen, Mickey, like I, came, I, I covered Tim Wakefield for years upon years upon years and and I do want to get to sort of talking about Tim. I think it's important. I think that one of the things that we should remember heading into this new year is remembrances of Tim. I mean, I went to his memorial service and um and yeah, I just I just don't want to like to forget about what Tim did and uh and everything he represented. And I know that George Kirby, I thought that was great where he he threw the one knuckleball right after yeah. Tim passed away. I mean, for you that must have been Yeah, let's go.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, he was – I never actually got the chance to meet him personally, but um, obviously I followed him my whole life, and uh, he was one of the reasons why I threw the knuckleball and, you know, um, which is kind of funny because I grew up a Yankees fan. So, you know, the whole thing with Tim Wakefield and Aaron Boone, and but, you know, it was just like – just a career I always followed and – kind of always appreciated the art that he had um, and what he was able to do um, on and off the field really uh, throughout his career. Um, but I've never heard a bad word said about Tim. And, um, you know, it's obviously unfortunate what happened and happened so fast. I think it just, it killed a lot of, uh, you know, what he, uh, what he represented it was just, was just uh, great about the game and,
2: and uh, the knuckleball as well. So, so the backtrack of something you just said um, it was one of the reasons why you wanted to start. I'm paraphrasing, but tell me if I'm wrong. One of the reasons why you yes. wanted to start throwing a knuckleball. Every like everyone has this story about something. Like for me, Mickey, it was a junior uh, uh, English teacher, junior high school, who said I wrote a good paper about playing flag football. All right, there it was. The light, <laughs> right? Yeah. But tell me about. If it was if it was indeed just seeing Tim Wakefield pitch, what was it about? How did you come across throwing a knuckleball?
3: Yeah, I mean, just like any kid and any player, really. You know, you kind of mess around it during catch play. And when I was twelve or thirteen years old, um, I was just messing around with it, and I used to throw it with three fingers. And um, I just remember watching a special on Tim Wakefield on Fox Sports Net when I was growing up, and you know, they're just talking about how he threw it and, you know, philosophy behind it and ev- everything that went into the pitch. And I just, you know, I just remember watching that episode and they showed his grip and he threw it with two fingers and I switched from three fingers down to two fingers. Um, went out the next day and just over the next practice, whenever it was and just last 15 throws to catch play with my catch partner, just chucked it as hard as I can. And, it was just like a natural thing for me. And uh, ever since then, it was just like the last 15, 20 throws of catch play. Like, I'm just going to check my knuckleball as hard as I can. And, you know, and I just remember like every catch partner I had, was like, Oh, here we go. Like this again, you know, and you know, it ends up working out where it's like, it made a profession out of the pitch. And um, I got drafted as a conventional pitcher and um, got released by the Tampa Bay Rays after two years. And I was just like, I'm a righty, five foot ten, throwing 88 to 92, like, don't really see too many opportunities for me. You know, I barely got the opportunity that I did being drafted in the 44th round, which is, you know, obviously not even around anymore. Um,
2: but so there I is another guy, my- by the way, I looked it up. There is another guy who made the major leagues from that, from that round that year. Really? Yeah. Who is you know- it? I'm going to I'm going to uh I'm going to insert the uh an edit here where I say his name because I totally forgot. But it's okay. but somebody else made it from that round, which cuz cuz okay. you're right, 44th round like it doesn't even exist, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um I just took it as a
3: a thing that was like if you want to stick around, you got to do something different than everybody else and you know, I went to independent ball for for three and a half years trying to develop it and trying to get an opportunity. And it finally got that opportunity with the Mets. And, you know, the whole story with R.A. Dickey and the Mets is pretty awesome too. You know, how he changed from being a conventional pitcher and his cover in USA baseball where they said he didn't have a UCL and all this stuff that like came about with him. Um, He's got a pretty amazing story too. And, You know, I think uh, the pitching coordinator for the Mets was a huge fan of the knuckleball. And I was having a good year in Long Island and they took a chance on me. So I got my second opportunity with them.
2: So it it is amazing that, like you said, I I will come back (laughs) to because sometimes you say, oh, you know, I saw the Tim Wakefield that he threw a knuckleball. It was sort of part of it. But to actually remember seeing that you saw the whatever it was, documentary or show, whatever, said, oh, this is how you hold it because, yeah, because it was, big, big, I think it was big, called maximum exposure. Like, I don't know why it's just like
3: implanted in my memory of like the exact, like I remember sitting in my house, like watching that episode. And it just like, you know, just vividly remember like the whole thing of like switching to the grip and it was Tim Wakefield and going out the next time and throwing it and it was nasty. And you know, it's just, just kind of a weird memory that I can remember that specifically because I, Really at thirteen years old, I'm not like, Well, I'm gonna be a knuckleball pitcher in about yeah, yeah. ten years, you yeah. know. And then turns out I was, you know, but it's but,
2: but every kid, you're you're right though. Like what, you, we get we get bored with throwing, all right, let's throw some knuckleballers. Or some some knuckleball. Yeah. It's like Yeah, I mean, I was at drive line the other day and I got
3: all these guys who have, you know, five, ten years in the big leagues and they're throwing like ninety five plus and they're like, How do you throw your knuckleball? Like, you know, Sean Manea was up there, he's like, Let me catch a few you know, and then I'm like, I'm like, he's about to go to spring training. If I throw a knuckleball in it, you know, dances the wrong way and hits him wrong, you know, I'm like in trouble, but you know, they all, it's a fascination that everybody has with it. And, you know, it's something that I always say when I go out to pitch or, you know, I'm telling my family, like I pitch tomorrow, like time to go put on a show because it really is that like, you know, you get that feeling of like, it's a show because, like, you're throwing a bullpen and everybody comes around and watches. You're in the game and it's like, oh, this guy's throwing a knuckleball. Like, I'll watch this. Like, Oh, yeah. You know, it's just – so I always say, like, go put on a show. Got to got to put on a show tonight, that type of stuff. So it's yeah. it's pretty yeah. cool. Can
2: I, can I tell you, though, there's a lot of things that I want to ask you, including your work at Driveline and and how uh, – and we're going to punctuate this with with me definitively saying – that you are going to be in a you're going to be in a team's camp and you're going to make a team. I believe it because I'm bringing back the the reality of this pitch. And the reality of this pitch. We had Brian Bannister on um, a few <laughs> weeks ago, right? Do you know him? You laughed. I don't know. <laughs>
3: yeah, he's just like I follow a lot of his stuff on uh, social media, and he's got a lot of good stuff that he writes about. And I just <laughs> it's funny. I remember he like tweeted a couple weeks ago about how he's like being able to throw something that no one else can throw, like hone in on that and like do that. And I'm like sitting here as a free agent, like I'm throwing a knuckleball. I'm like one of like three guys in professional baseball. They're like a knuckleball and like dying for an opportunity. So
2: it's just like kind of funny. that you. Well, I'm going to, after this on. is over, I'm going to text him and say, and <laughs> as, as, uh, and whatever good that's going to do. But one of the things he said we were talking about, cause he's a huge proponent along those lines. Of the split fingered fastball, right? So split finger fastball is the as he says, the narrative in the United States was it's gonna hurt your arm. Yeah, in Japan, they actually have camps for split finger fastballs when they're kids. So they're taking a a a pitch and they're specializing it. They're making a camp out of it. So and he actually brought up the knuckleball. And I and it makes perfect sense to me. Why, why not? Why not embrace this thing? And before you go, I, I'm just going to ask you I guess, is it just because of the age old thing with a knuckleball that people in baseball like control over things? And this is the thing that they can't control? Is it, is that, is it that simple?
3: Uh, I mean, I, I believe so. I mean, I think it takes a long time to develop. Like, I mean, I've been throwing it for since. 2012 now and you know that's 12 13 years um and I've only gotten one opportunity in the major leagues um I've gotten a few opportunities in triple a um you know and talking about a camp like after I got released by the Tampa Bay Rays two years later they started a, a minor league knuckleball camp where they brought in you know six guys who were like okay you're not you're your conventional pitches aren't good enough anymore or you used to be a catcher like you're gonna transition to be a knuckleballer. You know, they kinda like you can get released or you can try and throw a knuckleball type thing. They're like, so they brought in like six guys, like, here you go. We're gonna teach you everything about the knuckleball and what you're gonna do. I know this is the
2: Rays? The Rays did this?
3: Yeah, they did it with Charlie Hager, was their head head guy for it. Yeah. And uh you know and it just didn't didn't work because what they did was, I mean, they give these guys one year um, to throw it in games. And it, it just, it's almost impossible to learn in one year, especially like, I feel like for me, every year was like something new for the first year. It's like learning to actually just like throw it to hitters. And then it's like trying to figure out how to throw it for strikes. And then it's like mixing speeds with it. And then like, trying to throw it to certain locations and it's just like, you know, it just takes so much time to develop and to trust it and, you know, to have confidence in it. Cause I mean, you're throwing it up there at 75 miles an hour. And if you don't throw it perfect, it's a BP fastball that gets tattooed 450 feet almost every time. And it doesn't matter if there's a high school kid hitting or if it's, you know, like I face the Astros or
2: the well, I was going to say, I, mean, I can, it's like, you you possess the ultimate, like tangible example of exactly what you're talking about. Thanks to right. what a guy, a guy who's probably gonna be a Hall of Famer, Jordan Alvarez, right? Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. First batter you face, first major league batter that you face, Jordan Alvarez. You strike yep. him out. Yeah. Yep. A couple innings later, he hits a home run. <laughs> Yeah. I <laughs> well, mean that's, bo- that's exactly how
3: the knuckleball that's exactly how the knuckleball is, is like first two innings I threw, like solid one run in two innings, couple hits, you know, a strikeout, you know, then the last two innings, it's like I can't even get through, you know, I think it was an inning and a third or an inning and two thirds, you know, and I gave up like seven runs. So it's like that's exactly how the knuckleball is. You just kinda like lose feel of it or you know, you get tired, whatever happens, and it just you know, it just doesn't work. It doesn't fool the hitters. And that's what's so hard because you can't just track it where it's like, okay, if he throws his fastball at this spin or his slider at this spin, like we know what it's going to do and we know what it should do against hitters where it's like, you know, I go and throw a bullpen, a knuckleball bullpen and you know, like, Oh, that's great. Like knuckleball looks good. And it's like, but we really want to see it against hitters. Otherwise we don't really know how good it is. And that's what, you know, getting all these workouts and stuff with driveline, it's like, I could care less about throwing a bullpen, you know, I need to face hitters with it because if I don't face hitters then scouts or whoever's watching, is just kind of like, yeah, look pretty good to me. I don't know. <laughs> you know? And I, and I've, and I heard that the first time when I was throwing uh, a knuckleball back in 2012 and I was trying to get seen to like still hearing that today. And I'm like, I've been throwing it for 14 years and I had a really good season last year in independent ball. So it's like, you know, it's effective against hitters, but, every day I go out and throw it, they're still like, well, I kind of want to see it against hitters before we make a decision or whatever. So it's, it's just the nature of the pitch. And, you know, I'm, you know, you just kind of accept it as like a knuckleball pitcher, but you know, I mean, and even, even going into last season, you know, I was talking to like someone in my agency and they're like, yeah, you know, you, you've been throwing it, but you had 12 bad innings in in Venezuela and I'm like, so my 12 year career, throwing a knuckleball is, you know, twelve innings in Venezuela is gonna judge and, you know, decide my entire career. And it's just, you know, I feel like every time I go out and pitch, like I have to earn the next inning that I pitch or the next game that I pitch. So it's it's definitely I, tough sometimes, but you know, it's it's kind of the nature of the pitch. And you, you kind of see how some of these guys, you know, including myself, where it's like you're you're on top of your game and then the next game you're bottom and they're like i don't know what to do and i i still love the quote from terry francona when he coached him Wakefield of just like you feel like you're in a rocking chair where it's like one inning you're like okay we got to go get him oh no he's looking really <laughs> good and then next bet you know it's just kind of it's kind of how it is up and down and but
2: well i'll you know, say this just, i i'm focusing first of all I'm solely focusing on the fact that your first major league batter, you struck out Jordan Alvarez. So whatever pitcher you're using, like, that's a good pitch, and you can do that. You (laughs) you have the ability to do that. Second of all, a lot of the things you were saying, you mentioned Wakefield. This was one of the things where, and I think for Tim it was hard too. Like, it was hard to get that perception of, hey, you can rely on me. Even though, like, he had this track record, incredible track record. Even – Mickey, like even in the in the postseason, sometimes they would be reluctant to put him on the postseason roster because we don't we don't know what's happening. We want certainty, and then ultimately, that one of the things about that Aaron Boone game was that he was cruising. I mean, he was it was one pitch, yep. but he was he was cruising, and, he, and that's that's what it is, and that's
3: the one that everybody remembers right? of the whole thing. Of like, you know, it was like him and Marion Rivera, and you got like this guy's in the Hall of Fame, hundred percent. Of the vote and then you got Tim Wakefield and they're going pitch for pitch and it's crazy. They're both throwing one pitch, you know, going at it completely different pitches. And then, you know, one gets hit out of the yard and they're like, well, that was the worst pitch he threw all, all game. And it's like, might not have been the worst one. It just happened to be the one that the guy hit, you know, it could have been, you know, he could have thrown other ones that were tumbling and they, you know, didn't swing at it or whatever,
2: you know, it's just. I, how so- it goes. So tell me about so last year you're an independent ball um in Duel, well, but tell me about what led you to Driveline, because drive line's an interesting place for a lot of reasons like you just mentioned manai is there there's tons of people there and they have their pro yeah. day and you're part of the pro day and 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 they show and they show the now we have the metrics like when tim was pitching we didn't have the analytics the metrics the measurements all of that. We knew we could look at it and say, "Oh, that's interesting. It's impossible to catch and it doesn't rotate." But now for, for when you go to drive line, what first of all, was there any other knuckleballers there? Have they had knuckleballers there and and tell me about what how they approached you when it came to utilizing whatever they have to offer. Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing was um
3: well, first of all, I don't think they have had any knuckleballers that I know of go there, um, but my biggest thing was I wanted to try to get – I wanted to try a different program. Um, I wanted to get on, you know, better uh, weightlifting, more – I wanted to train in person because it's up here in Scottsdale, the one that I'm at, um, and I wanted to try to get stronger and try and throw a little bit harder, and then it was more about improving – my fastball and my slider. Cause I still throw a slider too. Um, just, you know, and I wanted to throw out their pro day too. So just about training in person, you know, I've never really done a program in person during an off season. Um, and I'm kind of looking at it as like, this might be my last opportunity after the season I had to get a shot in spring training. Cause that's really all I'm looking for is just an invite to spring training and, really without a guarantee of a roster spot because I just, I feel like if I get, can get to spring training, I can win a job. That's mm-hmm. how I feel. That's it. Um, but, you know, I wanted to try to train and throw harder and improve, you know, fastball slider um, and really honestly, like connections that they've had to organizations. Like, um, you know, if they wanted to learn about the knuckleball too, like I, you know all for them like learning because they might have another guy one day who comes in about the knuckleball and and stuff so i mean me and my trainer we're talking every day bouncing ideas off each other trying to he's trying to teach me about like which fastball is better to use in certain spots and slide or even messing with a sweeper a little bit um just you know i'm just trying to improve any way that i can and you know get another opportunity get a few more eyes on me that um maybe haven't seen me in the past
2: how did your pro day go you feel good about it
3: yeah i felt pretty good um i always hate throwing indoors um in like such an enclosed environment just because like outside you get elements of wind and you know whatever else so indoors um i always feel like it doesn't show the true um knuckleball that it can be sometimes, but, um, I know domes because there's like a bigger environment, but indoor facilities have like such an enclosed environment. Um, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Um, I don't necessarily think it was my best knuckleball on pro day, but, you know, it wasn't, uh, really what I was trying to do is just trying to show that I could, you know, throw it for strikes. So I didn't walk any of the hitters, um, uh, mixed speeds with it. And then throw my fastball slider in there to mix it up. So, um, and I felt like I did everything I needed to do on the pro day to be seen. And you know, obviously, I haven't gotten that opportunity
2: yet. But hopefully, you know, no. somebody's watching, that's and maybe that's what we're here for. We, we're getting the word out. Enough is enough. Let's go. I mean, again, like <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. It, it, if either you get guys out or you don't, and 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 yeah. everyone has to get. And and to your point. This is what spring training is for. It's for, hey, you know what? Don't this that guy who has the who has has had the five and a half ERA in minor leagues for the for the last ten years or the, I'm sorry, the last couple of years. But they're infatuated by spin rate and let, Forget about him. Forget about him. <laughs> Focus on this. Fuck, this is what spring trains for. Get Mickey into his spring training. And and this time you 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 know the rhythms of spring training too. That's another thing that I think would help you um, once you get in there. It's yeah, you know how to succeed to to make a team.
3: Yeah, and that's that, again. That's all I want to do is just try to get seen and you know get the opportunity because um, I like I said I just kind of betting on myself that I you know not necessarily have a job going into it. Um, and I feel like that makes you a little bit hungrier as opposed to being complacent being like, oh, I know I'm going to be on this team as opposed to like, no, I need to, you know, work my tail off and earn a job. Uh, let me ask and you I this. Kinda, like I said, I kind of feel ahead. like that every time I go out and pitch is like, you know, if I have, you know, bad outing or whatever, it's kind of like, oh, I don't know how they
2: feel about the knuckleball anymore, where that's it's like, they're okay, I up- had three good ones in a row. Like, let's keep it going. Yeah, they're going to break up Venezuela again. So it's, it's, but you know, I, it, it, again, I, everything you're saying and I'm not just saying this cause his name came up, but everything you're saying, like I'm, all I can think about is Tim Wakefield had the, the same stuff, man. Like as the story his career, is at, it's just a day in day out thing. And so what I'm trying to do is make and again, hopefully maybe Brian Bannister and others just say, Hey, listen, let's think outside the box here. And let's embrace this instead of saying giving him reasons why not. They get a little uncomfortable, and I don't know how much the other part of this too. And you you would have a better perspective of this is the catching of it. So it's it used to be back in the day, you know. <laughs> they, like, they bring that up too. They bring that up too. Do they? You know, yeah. yeah. They, it used to be like, oh, we gotta get like we gotta get the like the enormous mitt with a you know and the catch. And I remember um, a guy named Gary Tuck. I don't know if you know him at all. So Gary Tuck was an mm-hmm. older coach. He was a he was the bullpen coach when Wakefield was there, and he had a very specific way of catching the knuckleball. So instead sort of like instead of just straight on, get the big mitt and hope for the best, it, I remember this specifically. You tell me if like this is totally wrong. I I don't know. He told the catcher was face the chest at the second baseman. And just dangle the glove, like that's what you want to do. Um, I don't know if that's right, yeah. but but anyway. Yeah. But you said you said that the even you hear that like oh we well, don't have a catcher to catch you.
3: Yeah, um, I mean I've ho- I've heard stories of you know, well if you throw to our catcher you might break his break his thumb and hand or something and then he's going to be injured and I'm like I I mean I I wish I was that nasty but I mean I've played 14 years and I've had almost a different catcher almost every year so it's like they're professional athletes too you know sometimes I feel like they forget that it's like they'll figure out a way to adjust to learn how to catch and for the most part I tell the catcher I'm like you do whatever you got to do to feel comfortable back there like it's not going to bother me like set up down the middle set up a little bit away, set up a little in, set up a little sideways, but one knee down, you know, I, I feel like I've seen them all, you know, and, and every year there's a guy who embraces catching me and turns out to be your personal catcher, you know, the whole Doug Mirbelly, belly, Josh Tooley with Ari Dickey, and, mm-hmm. you know, they figure out a way to get it done. And, and yeah, I mean, if, if I throw my nastiest knuckleball any day, like, Yadier Molina is not going to catch it probably, you know, it's just, it's just the nature of the pitch. But, um, you know, I do carry around my, my big Rawlings catchers glove that, um, you know, and everybody's fascinated by that, but I mean, it it does help and you do need it. Um, but like I said, as a catcher, I just go, whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, I was like, I kind of like when I get a new catcher, I kind of just go like, just get back there wait as long as you can to react to catch the ball and then you can kind of figure out how you like to do it. You know, some guys do like to do the turn sideways, put your glove down. Mm -hmm. Um, My catcher last year was one knee down a lot. Uh, My catchers with the Mets like to be with nobody on base. They would be one knee down with guys on base. They would turn a little sideways and, you know, it just kind of depends on the catcher and, you know, like I said, they're professional athletes too, so they'll find a way to to figure it out.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's prioritize getting guys out. Let's go. <laughs> uh, all yeah, right. Exactly. Well, well, listen, it's like you said, we're gonna we're we're gonna try to change the narrative here in in the in the next. I'm gonna give it four days. Four days. <laughs> all right. If you don't have uh, a job in four days. Let me know, and I'll amp things up. Um, but the other right. thing we were talking real quickly about before you go, I have to ask. Uh you're an excellent pitcher. Um, but evidently you also have a another uh a skill, which is decorate Christmas decorations. <laughs> which yeah. as I as this came up because, well, I'm not even lying to you. It's just, this what this podcast was meant to be because I must have referenced this a million times when talking about Dustin Bedroy's house. When trying to explain it to people, people say, Oh, he has a batting cage. Yeah, okay, well, great. No. He had seven Christmas trees when I went over there. And finally, I have someone who can document that this is true. Go ahead. You tell me your history with this. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a
3: couple off seasons ago, I needed an off season job out here in Arizona and uh, came across a company who was actually started by a former minor league baseball player uh, during the off season, probably 15 years ago or whatever. It's called Holiday Helpers um, Christmas Lights. And uh, it's basically a lighting business during during the uh, winter months, and um, started working with him, and we decorate houses. And because he was a he was a baseball player, you can we probably decorate over three hundred houses, and from October until December, and probably half of them are major league baseball players. So, <laughs> um, and one of them happens to be Dustin Pedroia's house, and. Yeah, it's uh you know, I actually enjoy it because you get to be outside in Arizona, which is, you know, seventy degrees most days and sunny, so you're outside working instead of, you know, working at Dick Sporting Goods behind a desk or something for the off season. So so yeah, Dustin Pedroy's house is one of them. We got a we got a few others and he does uh he goes all out for his Oh does it see that's Christmas the next stuff. that's the
2: next question. You know, it's like how does this even like how does I know Kelly like Kelly runs that household. I mean, let's be honest with you. And so, but still, Bedroy, you know, he he I could see him coming in and he's like, what the F is this? What 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 are we doing? What are what are we doing? What are we doing here with, with the green lights? I want the red lights. So anyway, yeah. what's what was what was his uh, what was his
3: MO? Uh, he does um, red and white with uh, white light. So it's uh we call it candy cane color. So it's red, white, red, white, red, white, alternating colors. he does a complete 360 pretty much every inch of his house is covered in red and white lights and i remember actually a couple years ago um i think they were having a christmas party or i don't know if it was just this decoration i get a call from my boss and he's like hey can you head over to put house we gotta we gotta put up some candy canes and i'm like uh okay sure like whatever so i get there and um meet his wife and she's like all right come over here the boxes are over here and it's like this eight foot long box of a giant candy cane and you got to put them on a stand and then carry them you know and they're out in the front entrance um so it's just just kind of funny what everybody everybody does for their, their christmas lights but um but yeah he uh he definitely goes all out and it's I said it's a it's a pretty fun gig. Sometimes it can be frustrating when the lights don't work or something. But having LED lights nowadays makes it a lot
2: easier. See, I, I honestly up until a year ago, I didn't even know that such a thing existed. I think it's more maybe more prevalent in Arizona because our guy Joe Joe Kelly took great offense. He, he, he took great. He was like, I I will never let anyone else decorate my house ever ever because <laughs> I guess everybody else does. Um And then when Shohei Itani li- uh, arrived in his Porsche to give to his wife, we saw the yeah. the elaborate decoration. So decorated by
3: Yeah, that's right. I do remember that. I, it's kind of funny because I saw that and I was like, I wonder who decorates his house. No. <laughs> you know, but that's, I, I I kind of appreciated that they kind of do their own thing. Because, you know, obviously a lot of people are just like, oh, just somebody else do it for me. I'll pay for it, you know.
2: That, that, by the way, you just gave him the ultimate compliment that a professional yeah. said. Wow, that looks professionally done. I, I'm 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 passing that yeah. on. That'll be the best yeah. compliment. Well, Mickey, like I really appreciate the time, and um, and I mean it. We're going to spread the word, and uh, and I hope I'm headed down to spring training in a couple of days, and I hope that in person I will be able to celebrate your excellence there so thanks for everything and congratulations on our like congratulations on everything to this point honestly so great stuff
0: all right yeah thanks again thanks for having me appreciate the support in celebration of opening day we've got a special episode of the mouth podcast for you the theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people I gaze out at the players on the field and then I uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between
3: us that Something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time.
0: Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.